Hi, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great day today. This is the second part to my interview with Marco Montenegro. For just a little recap, he is the founding director of Excelsior Works. Excelsior Works is an employment support center in the Excelsior neighborhood of San Francisco that works mostly with the immigrant community. Let's get right on into it. Yeah, and you talked a lot about how employers may view um, their employees. And I think I want to shift to kind of a bigger perspective in that. How would you think that um, society or maybe even the Excelsior views people who don't have English as their first language? And do you think that the Excelsior is more welcoming in this area or are there still hurdles to achieving equity? Yeah, you know, I would say because of the, again, the, the when you look at the demographics here in the Excelsior, there's a lot large immigrant communities. And so I would say that the Excelsior is more, uh, is probably more welcoming, right, than other parts, maybe other parts of San Francisco, certainly other parts of the San Francisco Bay Area. But, um, and yeah, there's still, there's still a lot of hurdles to achieving equity, right, whether it's with the city of San Francisco and their employment opportunities, or just employers in general, right? Um, you know, I think oftentimes maybe a simple way to put it is because employers are more interested in profit than they are in people, right? And what we're trying to push is uh, the importance of, uh, you know, respect for their employees, you know, like letting them know what their schedule is, not the day before, right? But you know, a week in advance, so that they can make plans with their families. Um, uh, you know what else? Um, you know the, the now a lot of the application opportunities have shifted to being online, right? Uh, everything is in English. Again, you may not speak, you may not be proficient in English, but that doesn't mean you can't do the job. <laughs> Right, that doesn't mean you can't do the work, um, and so so I think this there's still, you know, there's still a lot equity to me. Equity to me, you know, would be defined as giving people an opportunity, like to to um, uh, to bring everything right to fulfill their uh, sort of their their ability or their their capability, given that opportunity to be able to do that their whole selves. And so uh, I don't think that, you know, we've, we've gotten there. I think we're making strides towards that. Um, you know, with everything that's happened in the pandemic, I'm hearing just maybe, uh, you know, like good things. People are saying they want to change. They want to see changes. But now it's about uh, putting, changing systems, changing, uh, uh, you know, changing law is built within right within that or it's taken into account in terms of how uh, policies and procedures uh, you know within San Francisco are, are really uh, developed and then administered. Yeah and I know you talked about uh, profit versus people um, and I want to ask you if there's any um, specific employers that you work with that maybe speak Spanish or Cantonese um, and if so do they tend to hire people who speak the same language um, or different if you've noticed a trend um, there? Yeah, the, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that there's any specific employers. I think it's more uh, sectors, right? Like, for example, hospitality, right? Restaurant, hotel, 
yeah, those are those are places where you're going to find a lot of a lot of members from the Latinx community or from the Chinese community, right? In those areas, that's, for example, one of the reasons why they are feeling, or those communities might have felt the greatest impact from the pandemic, right? Because that that was those were industries that were hit uh, pretty quickly, and so so I would say it's more about sectors. Um, yeah, and I guess you know if you look at the sector, then you can break it down into who those in, those employers are but yeah uh larger it definitely would be these larger larger employers yeah and um similarly to that i know that language is very related to personal identity um and it's kind of how you view your place in community a lot of the time um and i was wondering if you could tell me more about your community and the ways in which language defines them and maybe how language impacts how they view their place in the broader excelsior community Yes, so definitely, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Language, language does does uh, play a significant role in defining them, um, and I think it does so by, for example, like who they congregate with, right? Uh, uh, so, so you see that, right? You see, um, th- there are a lot of, yeah. I would say, I would say we have a fairly decent, vibrant uh, commercial corridor, and um, yeah, and you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of, yeah, very. A lot of those business owners are from, uh, you know, the Chinese or the or the Latinx community, and so you see who it is that actually a lot of who goes in there to to receive those services. So, uh, you know, outside of that, again, I think it's a lot of who they congregate with, but it's also I think um, what opportunities they they can pursue, right? Um, I think that that plays a big role, you know, in their work. Um, you know, and outside of work, right? I think the, you know, the opportunities that are available to them, you know, just as I was mentioning to you, you know, even when they're looking for employment, a lot of the employers have everything online. And so if you don't have the language proficiency, if you don't have the computer literacy, it's just very hard to uh, pursue those opportunities, those employment opportunities. Um, And then, you know, for families, um, it, it can really hamper their ability to advocate um, for themselves, whether at, it's at their kid's school, right, at their children's school, or uh, with their children's doctor, or in other areas, right? And I think, uh, uh, so, so that's really important. One of the things you see happening, for example, at the school board district, and I think it's legislation that's going to be introduced fairly soon, is um, giving parents an opportunity to vote, right, to vote like for um, school board members, um, and so I think those are important ways. Those are important opportunities to provide for parents so that they can advocate for their kids, even though, <coughs> excuse me, even though they may lang- they may lack uh, some of that language proficiency. Yeah, definitely. And um, kind of as a whole, um, I know the goal is success in the workplace. Um, and what do you kind of see as the most critical success factors for long-term success of the community that you serve and how would you think language kind of plays into this? Yeah. Um, you know, I think some, some of the long-term, uh, you know, factors for success, you know, quite possibly the most important is really, um, their, uh, housing affordability, right? So again, you know, San Francisco has become, uh, Really expensive. It's the most expensive city, right, in all of in, in all of the United States, and so um, 
in order for people here in the Excelsior, I would say in general in San Francisco, they need to be able to afford their housing, right? If you're spend if you're spending, uh, you know, the majority of your income on your housing, then you may not be spending it on your, uh, uh, you know, on your medication, you know, on your kids' uh, education, right? Um, and just in other areas that give you or your family an opportunity or your kids an opportunity, uh, uh, you know, really to grow, right? Um, and so, so housing affordability, I think, is is critical. And then I think the other is um, access to a living wage, right? So, um, you know, we're an employment support center, and so you might think that a lot of the people who come to us just don't have a job, but a lot of the people who come to us. Uh, you know, have a job and need a second job in order, again, to be able to survive in the most expensive city in the United States. And so, but I think by paying, you know, I, I believe that if we were able to pay uh, heads of household a living wage, then, you know, a lot of the issues maybe that, that we see with our youth might not exist because parents could spend more time at home and spend more time Right, um, you know, with their kids, doing things with their kids, that you know they're just not afforded an opportunity because they have to, as I mentioned, they have to find either a second job or take every every opportunity to work overtime that's made available to them in order to be able to uh, to afford their housing and all the other expenses that come with with living. Um, I think those two things at the top are at the top of my list. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that those are two big things. Um, I know you cut you off, so if there's anything um, other than that, um, I'd love to hear it as well. Um, yeah, I, I believe you asked in, in how language fits into that. Um, you know, and I'd go back to I think it just you know language creates an ad, an uh, you know ability really to advocate for themselves, right? Uh, to ask for, you know, to ask questions when something is being um, told to them and really, uh, you know, uh, it creates an ability to seek out resources that, you know, you or your family members uh, might need. Yeah, definitely. And kind of wrapping it all up, what would maybe surprise someone from the outside about the community you serve and maybe about the job you do as well? Yeah, uh, you, you know, in, I think people would be surprised at really how resilient uh, the community is, right? So, you know, I was sharing sharing with you some of the some of the data, you know, that um, you know here at Excelsior Works, when we look at who our clients are, you know, they're between the ages of thirty five and forty four years old. You know, most 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 of them are households of up to five people. And uh, you know their annual salary is twenty five thousand dollars, and you know I'm I'm always left uh, just asking myself like how do they do that right how does how how are they able to do that, and um, but it speaks to me to you know about their resiliency, um, you know just their ability to turn like fifty cents into two dollars, right, uh, and and I think you know like something that also surprised people is really like just their sense of gratitude right for for the support that we provide them so um, not a week goes by here in the excelsior when a client doesn't bring uh food into into the staff to share with the staff right so i'm always coming home 
with with something to share with my with my wife and kids, right? Because of you know clients who are just coming in to say thank you, right? Appreciate the you know th- th- what we're doing for them, and so that's always you know that's like uh, yeah I I know you know my it doesn't happen at my wife's work, right? And she's helping people, right? The kind of work that she does. Uh, you know, they're helping students, but, you know, no one's bringing them or, you know, very, very, if that happens very infrequently with her. But here, like I said, not a week goes by when that doesn't happen to me. And then I think, um, you know, it's just like the desire that people really have to participate in the, you know, the San Francisco or even the Bay Area economy. You know, it's just super great. I think oftentimes, um, you know, we hear uh, misconceptions, stereotypes that people don't want to work, that they're lazy. They just want to, they just come here to take advantage of a system. And my experience, right, is that that couldn't be, you know, further from the truth, right? People are eager to, uh, again, you know, I think they understand that there's great, um, you know, that there's just a, a great sense of, uh, of, um, you know, you feel complete when you know that you're going to work, right? That you're working hard and that you're earning the paycheck and you're providing for, right? The people that you care for. So I think that that's, um, I think people would see that, right? If they spent any time here at Excelsior Works and had the opportunity to interact with with our with our clients. And then, you know, just in terms of my, of my job, um, yeah, again, just how, uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot of work. Right, it's it's a lot a lot of work that we put in uh, in order to try and provide services that the city of San Francisco either cannot do or won't do. Right, cannot do because they don't have the cultural competency. Uh, won't do because they can't move uh, as fast as we can in in terms of helping people. Because usually we're help we're dealing with what are the most critical issues right, in people's family, in, in, in San Francisco, right, issues of homelessness, right, lack of employment, uh, people lacking uh, or struggling with their housing affordability. And so, um, you know, I think that that might be something that that would, would surprise people. Just, I think, you know, I feel very fortunate to be surrounded by and to work with people who just care very much about San Francisco and the people who live in San Francisco and want to see those people in this city thrive. When the pandemic hit, uh, it was the nonprofits who organized and in many instances out of our own pockets were providing support for, for families and individuals. And, you know, we were doing it when, again, when the city couldn't do it, when the city had to follow, you know, their legal their legal protocols around putting out, putting out requests for proposals. Uh, you know, we were just doing the work because we knew it, it needed to happen. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of people who recognize that, but there are a lot of people maybe who still uh, uh, may not may not see that. Yeah, and I think it's it's really great what you do um, and what Excelsior Works does. Um, it's I know it's helped a lot of people, especially over the pandemic, knowing that that's one of the hardest times for a lot of people. Um, and I just was wondering if you have anything else to add um, that you'd like people to know. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you know, Jay, I think you asked a lot about um, just sort of just the challenges of, uh, you know, people's English proficiency and how that might create barriers 
at, you know, with their employment and for employers. But I think that if employers use their creativity, um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, for example, having people on staff who are bilingual, who can be placed in positions of leadership, who can direct the work of people who may, who may not necessarily be, uh, you know, may not speak English at all, but who are limited English speakers. Uh, like those are ways in which employers can bring on people again, who have like just a great desire to contribute, to work, to work hard, and then who would help those companies, you know, who, who uh, essentially would help those companies grow. And so, yeah, I, you know, I, I hope that people, employers, you know, take take that away. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know I really appreciate what you do today. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who do as well. So thank you so much again um, for doing this. And it was a pleasure talking to you. AJ, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate, uh, you know, you're, you're asking, asking me to, to be a part of your podcast. And I, too, you know, I look forward to what it is that you're going to be able to contribute uh, to, you know, the city, to society in general. Because I think if you're already at your age, if you're already thinking about these things, then I think you're going to make important contributions to all of us. So thank you. Thank you so much. This concludes this episode of the podcast. I want to give a special shout out to Marco for doing this interview. I know I learned a lot and I hope you all did too. Thanks everyone so much for watching. I hope everyone has a great day. Goodbye.